takes more than mumbling scope change every time your work takes longer than you expect it to to be a great software engineer. This is episode 294 of the Soft Skills Engineering Podcast, and I am your host, Jameson Dance. I'm your host, Dave Smith. Soft Skills Engineering is a weekly advice show where we answer your non-technical questions about the technical field of software development. And if we ever go over our allotted recording time, then right as soon as we hang up, I just complain to Dave about scope change. <laughs> Man, the scope of that episode just really changed. <laughs> I was trying to wrap it up, and all of a sudden you added another facet to the question, which threw off all of my estimates. <laughs> scope never changes to get smaller. Do you ever notice that? I mean, it does, I guess, but... right. Only only when things are late. <laughs> yeah. Oh, now. Now we can shrink the scope. <laughs> oh, oh, those essential features. Hmm. <laughs> Turns out they're not so essential. There is probably some kind of universal law about the amount of effort per unit of scope reduction required as, a, as compared to the amount of effort for unit of scope increase required. It's like effortless to add more scope, but takes real thought and discipline and effort to remove scope. You could also probably plot a curve as as the deadline approaches for how much effort it takes. And mysteriously, the effort to remove scope changes a lot as yeah. <laughs> the deadline gets closer. Uh, that's not what this... Well, I mean, it's kind of what this show's about. Anyways, let's talk about other stuff. All right. I agree. Let's see. This episode is sponsored by Ops Level. Ops Level makes shipping great software easier. You'll hear more about Ops Level later in the show. I also want to thank our tremendous Patreons. Patrons. I can't let Patreon steal that word. Weekly <laughs> shoutouts to the Stochastic Parrot, Alice Jost, Andrew Pollock, the Yeet Your Job Podcast, Avery Sturzel, Ian Walter, Aranduna, Kashakson, Ohio, Cameron Hall, patreon.com.au. We're hiring. Ira Chan, Monkey Face Emoji, Jonathan King, testing is documenting.org, Eladapo Fadye, I escaped from Tarkov but can't escape JavaScript, Ragnar Harrison, Timmy Garabrandt, Nick Hathaway, Travis Sanders, Dennis Bogdanov, Raiden Keynes, John Grant, I bought Winrar, Nick Cantar, and Philip John Basile. Thank you to y'all. You grow wiser. By the minute, I can just tell. <laughs> if you want to join this crew or if you want an invite to our Slack community, then you can go to softskills.audio and click support us on Patreon. Any dollar amount will get you an invite to the Slack community. And then whatever dollar amount it says on there gets you a shout out. I can't remember right now. But whatever it is, it's a great deal. Yeah, it's like it's only a few million dollars. Yeah. It's not bad. You want to read our first questions? I do. This our comes question. from... Yes, I'll just read the first one. Okay, uh, thanks. <laughs> one of one of two. <laughs> okay. This comes from an anonymous listener who says, I work in a squad that has been slow in delivering. Squad leadership, including myself, concluded we need a staff engineer, which is one level above senior engineer, to help guide tech direction and to support other engineers. Unfortunately, we have received only a single applicant, senior engineer Brett. That's Brett in air quotes, so I think this is not really Brett's real name. Brett is already on the team. Brett is a good engineer and has a lot of great qualities, but falls short of the staff level. Our tech lead, Chris, again, Chris in air quotes here, our tech lead, Chris, doesn't think Brett is suitable due to bad technical decisions Brett has made in the past. Chris also thinks Brett should have been discouraged from applying in the first place. Brett's manager is outside <laughs> the team, so has less visibility on what's happening inside the squad. We're suddenly in a bind. If we give Brett the role... We are in the same situation as before, but having to pay him more. <laughs> if we don't give him the role, we run the risk of losing him in this environment, which would be very bad, as he is a good engineer. Should our decision be down to how Brett interviews, what could we have done differently? Interesting. So uh, this is someone applying for an internal 
an internal promotion, basically. Yeah. I mean, one thing you could have done differently is explicitly put in the job description, this position is open to everyone whose name is not Brett. It's a hard requirement. Our systems couldn't handle a Brett. <laughs> L- legacy code. That's all you have to yeah. say. <laughs> There's some legacy code here. Yeah. It's just like how you mumble scope change every time you're late. Every time you want to make an excuse for why you can't do something, just legacy code. Oh, then you sigh. <laughs> so our tech lead, Chris, doesn't think Brett is suitable. I mean, you should not give this person the role. <laughs> well, what if, what if you do give them the role, but then you offset the issue by applying a broad sweep of title inflation to everyone? So you say, yes, we're now calling you staff engineer. And if you look at this table, all the duties of staff engineer are actually what the old senior engineer duties used to be. And we're now calling new college grads senior engineers. <laughs> How do you explain the lack of a pay raise, though? We've done some budget refactoring. Well, for that, you have to do monetary inflation, where you actually change the currency to use some other currency that can <laughs> be arbitrarily pinned to the U.S. dollar. This is, this is You're going to get paid... more company coins than you made in dollars. (laughs) And good news, you get to do an ICO for your company as well, which would be kind of fun. (laughs) Yeah, don't give... You should not be threatened into... So this is interesting. It it kind of overlaps with um, folks asking for raises in order to stay. And and maybe there's a number at which you feel like, oh, I don't know if they're worth that much money, but we want them to stay. The fact that it's a promotion though makes it more clear-cut in my mind that if they're really not ready for it you are not setting them up for success and and you're going to create more problems by promoting them than uh if if you were to not promote them and they were to leave so you you would trade losing one person from the team versus the problems created by promoting someone prematurely in the team yeah, I would tell Brett we don't negotiate with terrorists and then just let him <laughs> interpret that how he will, how he wants to. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Brett. <laughs> I think I would. That's a really bad precedent to set that if someone wants it and they're not qualified, you give it to them anyways because otherwise they might quit. It kind of dilutes the... Well, separate from the fact that it doesn't solve your problem at all, it also creates an expectation that that's kind of how it works with other developers. Even if you don't, change what you say the qualifications are for a staff there's what people say they are and then there's the qualifications you can infer by looking at everyone who has that title yeah and and this will change the inferred qualifications which will dilute the staff level which will cause title inflation it's perfect it's exactly (laughs) what i said (laughs) oh true i just don't see how this helps you i mean it's not my team so it's a lot easier for me to say just risk losing brett yeah like i don't even know brett yeah (laughs) I don't think he's great. I don't think he's I don't think he's all that. I mean what what broke down do you think to lead to this situation? It sounds like there's a split between kind of the work that engineers do and who their engineering manager is, which is not a negative, but it is certainly a trade-off. So maybe Brett has been having conversations with their manager about how to get promoted and mm. boy this looks like an easy solution for that. Oh, there's a vacuum over there. I'll jump into it. Yeah, and and I'm not responsible. Like the manager might not be responsible for the output of this squad, so maybe maybe it just is a pure win for them if Brett gets this promotion. Yeah, maybe the manager is like, man, think of all the paperwork I don't have to write if if they'll just give Brett this job. Yeah, awesome. Brett is happy. My life is great. 
problem solved. <laughs> oh, man. But here's what's going to happen, though, is, look, if you're not going to give this job to Brett, which I think you probably should not, I, I agree with Jameson, you, you got kind of two ways to make this, to, to diffuse this situation. Number one, well, maybe three ways. Number one, you could talk to Brett directly as the team lead on the team that Brett's applying to and say, hey, Brett, thanks for your application. We don't think you have the qualifications that we're looking for for this position right now. You know, maybe maybe in the future, we're going to keep looking. Like, that's one way. Or you could go to Brett's manager and say, hey, Brett's manager, listen, Brett's really not qualified for this job. You need to talk him off out of this one. You know, and then Brett can talk to his manager and then get and then rescind his application. Both of those are probably reasonable outcomes. Or the third one is you could get out there and hire someone like you really could still like it's not off the table. And you could say, look, we're going to take another month to see if we can get a better candidate pool because we didn't get enough applicants to make a decision. You just kick this can down the road 30 days. Future you will be smarter and wiser. Yeah, you got more capable of solving this problem. (laughs) You have 30 days of growth. (laughs) Current me is cursing past Jameson for unwise time allocation. But future Jameson will have solved that problem by yes. now, or when, when the future arrives. This, I feel like there must be a, a tie into the scope creep comment from earlier on that. <laughs> yeah, this is interesting because giving feedback about why someone did not get the job is fraught, even if you're never going to see that person again. <laughs> it's like, how do you tell them you weren't good enough without offending them or, or causing hurt feelings and the answer is most of the time you don't you just keep it very vague and so there's no closure but it's okay because you don't have to see that person again mm-hmm. but i feel like you have to tell brett something more specific besides it wasn't a good fit and and good luck with all your future endeavors i.e like go away <laughs> because you need to keep working with them and and you can't just kind of shoo them away with a vague dismissal. Does that seem right to you? Do you feel like you owe Brett more clear feedback than you would for just any arbitrary candidate who applied who wasn't qualified? I mean, given that you work with Brett and they're a a team member, yes, I think you owe a little bit more. But I think it's Brett's manager that really needs to pick up the ball here and deliver that. So what you're saying is that the, the team could reject Brett's application, give the feedback back to the manager have the manager deliver the feedback. Is that right? I suppose, yes. And it, and it doesn't have to be like, here's 17 paragraphs on why, you know, the growth areas for Brett that he needs to do. You know, it can just say like, look, we're looking for the following three things and we haven't seen Brett demonstrate those yet. Yeah, I mean, uh, I have a hard time understanding how Brett would understand the information as the question asker has presented it, where there's a problem with the squad and the solution to the squad is bring in someone with even more experience and think, I know I will be that person. Like I'm already on the squad. The problem's already there. I just am not paid enough money to solve this problem. If you would just add more money to my bank account, I can solve all these problems. I've been holding back. Yeah. <laughs> I've been sandbagging this whole time. So that feels weird to me that maybe maybe that wasn't communicated to Brett. They just saw like a flyer posted on, uh, on the in the cafeteria or right. something and grabbed the little tear-off thingy and sent the resume in. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's really a, a, a strong possibility that Brett actually doesn't have his heart super set on this, you know? And you might want to feel that out with Brett's manager. Go talk to them and say, hey, what's Brett really, you know, is Brett going to leave if we don't give him this job? Let's talk about it. And, and then get the manager on your team so you can make a strategy that gets everyone's needs met. 
Yeah, I mean, if there are specific concerns about why Brett isn't a good fit, that's kind of, not kind of, that is the manager's job is to help Brett develop and improve. Yeah. So you could deliver the no with the manager having some kind of plan to work on those things. And maybe if there's another opportunity in the future, then it'll be a better fit. Yeah. See, that's a way better message for ma- for Brett's manager to deliver is to say, the answer is no, at, not at this time, but here's an individual development plan for you that I think will get you there within six to 12 months so that you can be ready for the next one. That's awesome. Yeah. Instead of making bad decisions, make good decisions. Step one. That <laughs> That's actually a question is, should anyone tell Brett, hey, the main reason we're doing this is because of the following bad technical decisions you made at this company? And I think the answer is yes, that, that needs to be communicated. These were bad decisions. Let's get you learning from these things. Yeah. I can see why that communication would not happen if the manager is not involved in the day-to-day. So they, the manager probably doesn't know about those bad decisions or what the impact was, but they're in the best position to deliver feedback because of that manager relationship. So Brett's colleagues are probably not going to say, hey, those were real bad technical decisions <laughs> and you need to improve. But it's harder for the manager to say that when they're, they're a bit distant. Right. Okay. I think you've got a surefire solution here. Yeah. And if none of that works, you can quit your job before Brett quits his. You just take the spot. Say, oh, sorry, it's full. We hired. The position has been filled. The position has been filled. (laughs) Now I have two jobs. (laughs) (laughs) I've heard so much about that overemployment thing and I've decided to try it. (laughs) Hey, Jameson, have you noticed there's a special kind of pain that software teams feel when they get big enough? Pain of open floor plans? (laughs) No, I'm talking about the pain of owning a huge pile of services, but having no clear ownership. This makes so many routine things harder than they need to be, like knowing who's on call, onboarding new hires, finding out who owns what. If you're lucky, you have some spreadsheet or maybe like four spreadsheets that list all the services your teams operate with manager contacts and on-call schedules, but you probably don't even have that. I've definitely felt that pain. Well, this is where Ops Level comes in. Ops Level is a product that replaces that old spreadsheet that no one trusts with an always up-to-date catalog of all your services and teams. And Ops Level takes the friction out of launching new services by providing guardrails that let developers focus on writing code instead of chasing down people and getting approvals. When I worked at Amazon, we had tools like this. I can't imagine living without them, but small and medium-sized companies, they can't afford to build them. And this is why you need Ops Level. I've lived without them. <laughs> it's rough. <laughs> the Rolodex of people who've worked there a long time is not as scalable as this <laughs> ops level. Go to opslevel.com slash soft skills to solve this pain and learn how ops level makes shipping great software easier. End the suffering. Go to opslevel.com slash soft skills. All right. Should I read our next question? Yeah, go for it. This is from an anonymous listener who says... I recently did some extensive planning for a feature with a backend engineer where we negotiated what the GraphQL API would look like. As I was finishing up my feature work, I realized that they departed from that plan and didn't tell me. Now the feature is late. They're having to make adjustments because the departure from the spec made it impossible for the front end to handle the data. I'm having to do more work because they used a completely different architecture than what we discussed. What's even more frustrating is that the end result on the back end is going to be exactly the design that I initially proposed, which is documented, which the back end engineer shot down when I proposed it. I feel angry that they dismissed my technical expertise. This has also eroded my faith in collaborating with this person. A retro is coming up. How would you approach the retro? 
What outcome do I even want here? I don't think more process is going to be helpful since I spent six to eight hours on the planning portion of this feature. I'm starting to wonder if my perception as a primarily front-end engineer prevents the back-end engineers from lending me credibility. Ooh, ouch. That last sentence was like, that was the zinger. Yeah, this is a, this is a tricky one. Hmm. So the, so the back-end engineer is the one that went off the rails from what they had planned? Is that what I'm hearing? I think so. I, I can't quite tell, having to make adjustments... And then moved it back to the original design. They've made it impossible for the front end to handle the data. But the back end engineer shot down the original design. So I can't tell if they, they agreed to the original design and then the back end engineer changed their mind later or they just never agreed in the first place but ended up coming back to the original design. Oh, so okay. So it sounds like there was a plan A. Plan A was rejected by the back end team. So then there was a plan B, probably a compromise of some kind. But pl- no one told the front end that plan B was happening. And then when plan B came to light, or sorry, that plan A was, geez, this is hard to follow. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna give me a minute to create some UML diagrams. I'll be back. In, we in... need a conspiracy board with <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> string and pins connecting things. Yes, and photos and newspaper clippings. Exhibit A, we see the Jira <laughs> ticket outlining the proposed plan. Closed. The Jira ticket dated 1985. <laughs> this is gonna be a big board with a kind of a cobweb. <laughs> Yeah, we've replaced data structures with cork boards with pins stuck in them. There's a string connecting the Jira ticket to a person, which is the owner field or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, okay. You you gave that more laughs than it was worth, Dave, and I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. That made me feel good. So, I okay, here's what I think is going on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to paint the entire industry with a gigantic brush that's one color across the whole industry. <laughs> Engineers don't like talking to people about code and designs. They just like writing code and doing designs, you know? <laughs> and when you're on your first, second iteration of a, of a project and it needs to change again, it's exhausting to go back and be like, yes. I know you've spent hours on this. I've spent hours on this. We've talked about this, but it needs to change again. That's friction. And I think a lot of engineers just say, I would rather just go do this. Like, it'll be fine. We'll work it out. And I, and I suspect that's what happened here. You're saying the backend engineer encountered something that made them think they had to change. Yeah. And then just, just did it. Something, whether it was their teammates or whether it was something technical about the design or something about making it more or less effort for them. And they just did it. And unfortunately, in, the, in these circumstances, the back end always has the power, you know, because they're like, no, I'm not going to write the API the way you want it. I'm going to write it the way I want it. And the front end just kind of has to roll with it because, y- you know, what are you going to do? Build a like a middleware server that just <laughs> transforms the API. You know, what I was just thinking is uh, there were some really terrible JavaScript frameworks, of, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago that came out that essentially exposed the entire database to the front end. You know, it's like, oh, you can write these queries. It'll be so powerful. And I'm like, huh. And you can fire your backend team. <laughs> Go right around them. Yeah, and, then, and then quickly realize that queries are not free. So we have a retro coming up. You should absolutely talk about this because it, if you don't talk about it, it will just kind of silently rot. Yes. I think the question is, how do you approach it? How do you, how do you bring it up? Yes. It is valid to feel angry uh, that your technical expertise was dismissed. It's valid to feel like if we did it my way, we would avoid these problems. 
I am really curious to know what the backend engineer thinks and why they did it that way, because they probably have some reason that makes sense to them. Well, I mean, and if you want to make sure they understand that message, one way to do so is to just scream a lot, like really loud. <laughs> Let that anger just come through. What could be improved? <laughs> just let out a primal roar instead of describe what could have gone better in that sprint. <laughs> oh, man. You know, that that just wouldn't come across the same over a Zoom call. I know. All those people who say in-office culture is better, they're right. You can feel the wind of someone's yes. primal scream <laughs> on your face. <laughs> yes. VR will never get there. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. We're going to have to take a small tangent here to think about what could we do to augment the emotional transfer over a remote video call like maybe some yeah, the, fans. the breath fan yes yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's got a little odor that it can insert into the air to make it sound yeah. like, smell like human breath yeah maybe the occasional water droplet that <laughs> accompanies <the wind. laughs> oh, and man. to get the real experience um some fraction of those water droplets will get you sick with something yes. <laughs> <laughs> we've seeded these with the common cold yeah <laughs> Three percent of them. We're really just <laughs> recreating every aspect of the in-office experience from your home. It'll be great. <laughs> the end result is going to be exactly so. I, I think one way this could go poorly is if you say, "I told you so. I had the right idea, and you did the dumb wrong thing. And if we had just done my right smart idea, then we would have avoided all this work." And that could very well be true. But there is a very small chance of that message being received effectively. It's just a natural instinct to get defensive. And, and if you deliver it kind of in an I told you so way, it would take a very mature person to not, on a good day, <laughs> to yeah. not get defensive <laughs> and, and kind of put their shields up and start picking at you. And you, you want to talk through like how you can resolve this, not place the blame on this person. I don't think that will fix anything. Yeah. How would you approach the retro? So I would say, I mean, I think you can still deliver the message that like, uh, I, was, I was confused why we went with this other design. And I feel like if we had gone with my design originally that I proposed, we would have avoided these problems. Like, can you help me understand why, why it changed? Yeah, and, and I think, I think um, if you can bring concrete I want to. I, I, I'm going to say the D word, data, to Donuts? this conversation. Everyone's like, "Well, I'm data driven." It's it's so hard. It's like if you bring data to this conversation, it can it can not only help the other person see your point of view, but it can also also help you quantify your own point of view. So, like, let let me explain what I mean by that. Sometimes we get worked up emotionally because our idea was rejected or someone didn't do something we wanted or some of our some deep human need wasn't met in some way. But when you take a step back and think about the team and the business and the outcomes you're going for, you realize it's not that big of a deal. But sometimes this the same kind of scenario happens and there's a tangible outcome where you can say, "Look, this this has cost us an extra 50 hours of development work on this feature." that didn't need to be there because we're doing all these sit-ups and it's and we've already had a few bugs that have come in because the front end code is so much more complex now all of these things could have been addressed with the design that we proposed and if you just share that now you both have a problem you can attack together 
instead of just saying, I didn't get my way and that makes me feel bad and I want you to validate my feelings. Instead, now you're saying, here's the problem this has created. Let's solve this problem. That's a really good point. I think you can also frame the problem not as you dumb person who is wrong didn't listen to me smart person who is right. They changed the design without talking to you. And that could be that could be kind of the crux of the problem. Like some communication was missed, understanding was not shared. How can we avoid this kind of miscommunication in the future and make it less about like you were wrong because you're, you're going to be wrong sometimes, right? You're going to have ideas that are worse and make it more about collaborating and being on, uh, I'm trying, it's happening. I'm saying more business cliches <laughs> as I get older and I just. Why is that? Is it because they're good? It's like gravity. It just like pulls me. No, they're it's, not. Are you, they're are, you not just, good. are you just pattern matching the words you hear? That might be it. But then who who's at the center of it creating those patterns? It's culture. Is, is there someone deliberately saying, this is how we should communicate and I will model that behavior? It's just a... There's no cabal controlling the business lingo. It's it's just a... It's a mob. It's emergent. <laughs> yeah. I... I was going to say on the same page and and I said those words but I'm not saying not saying them. Let's come up with a different metaphor that means exactly the same thing but isn't business lingo. Like we're wearing the same pair of pants. Wearing <laughs> wearing the same pair of pants at yes. the same time. You, it's really crowded. <laughs> or they're gigantic pants and each they of are you gigantic. are in one leg. <laughs> <laughs> and you're just like hopping, taking yes. turns hopping. <laughs> Yeah, it does, it does the, take a lot wanna, of coordination, be, by the way. You want to be wearing the same pair of gigantic pants as this person. <laughs> How can we avoid wearing different pairs of pants or both being in the same leg? <laughs> How can we hop in such a cadence that we actually mimic walking? <laughs> I mean, you could talk about potato sack races. Those oh, are yeah. probably underused as common business metaphors. That's a good idea. You know what we have to do? We have to branch out. The sports metaphors are too mainstream. Baseball and football, no. It's mm -hmm. got to be, where are all the curling metaphors? Right. Or the biathlon metaphors? Like, look, we just really need to smooth this ice with our brooms in synchrony. <laughs> <laughs> we just really need to slow down and take a deep breath after we have skied 10 miles before we take this important shot. Yes. <laughs> with a bb gun or, i don't know anything about biathlon i do know that there was someone who got caught doping in curling which is oh, really <laughs> yeah oh my goodness <laughs> i've never seen a broom move so fast <laughs> do you see the way that their traps bulge as they scrub back and forth that can't be natural <laughs> Yeah, this is helping. This yeah, is we're really helping. helping. <laughs> <laughs> At this yeah, point, I, I, think I actually you, don't remember the question. <laughs> if you focus more on, not that I was right and you were wrong, but that I thought we had an agreement and we diverged from that agreement without without communicating it clearly. Yeah, and that's that's a that's a kind of a different track than I was proposing, but I kind of like it. You know, you're you're essentially calling out that, hey, you you went off off plan, and now I can't trust you in maybe lighter words. Yeah. And that one also is broader. It applies even if, say, say in some world where truth is absolute and you can say their implementation was different but was right. Mm -hmm. Just the fact that it was different from what you agreed on would have caused problems. Yeah. Even if it was better. 
yeah, even if it was better or something. So, Although I will say, if it was better, you can earn a lot of trust by saying that in a retrospective as well. You could say, I see that you've deviated from the plan we agreed on. I like this new plan. Good job. And I think that would win you points in their minds, but it might also give them license to cut you out of every conversation in the future because they know you're a people pleaser and a pushover. They didn't like the plan, so you shouldn't say that. Yeah, true. <laughs> I was thinking of an alternate universe, but yes. Oh, okay. Your plan has some fascinating qualities that really led me to have good thoughts and pondering sessions. <laughs> yeah, what's what's the most backhanded fuzzy compliment you can give their plan? Yeah, like you've really explored a thorough set of failure modes here <laughs> and brought to light problems that I didn't even know existed. So this is great. You really reminded me of all the problems that we solved two decades ago right. and why we why we put these solutions in place. And thank you for... Great history yeah, lesson. <laughs> raising that historical context of why yes. this is a horrible way to do things. <laughs> you know, the memory of the software industry is too short, and I appreciate you yes. <laughs> reaching back, not just for the successes, but for the failures. <laughs> <laughs> That's so painfully, painfully passive aggressive. I kind of love it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you should absolutely bring it up in the retro and you should try to figure out why they did what they did and why it seemed right at the time. Just like you would do if there was an outage, right? Someone hit the button that destroyed everything. Why did they think that was a good idea? Why did that seem like the right thing to do? And how could you make that less seem like the right thing to do? What is that called? Rational operator? theory, I think. You're, you're assuming people are local rationality. That's what it is. You're assuming people are acting rationally in the context that they're, they're, they're working in. Like they're trying to do the right thing. Right. Usually not trying to do the wrong dumb thing. Yeah. Like I say to my team often, like nobody wakes up in the morning and says, you know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to take down prod, write a few bugs, cause some issues. Like no one does that. And it's almost always some missing piece of context. And I'm sure that's what's, that's probably what's happening here. Could have been an innocent mistake, but you know, Time to make sure they never, ever, ever cross you ever again. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I actually say a subset of what you just said every morning to my team. I say, I'm going to cause a bunch of bugs and take down prod. And <laughs> I don't, I admit all the nobody ever says that parts of it and just say the middle part. Okay. And how's that working? Keeps them on their toes. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've answered the question. I think so too. Have we? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Well, good luck. Please let us know how it goes. If you have any feedback, or if you want to just make up a story, I mean, we won't know, right? You could, yeah, you could spin a tale. This could lead to exploring the stars, and if it's a good read, we'll read it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is the first step of your space opera. Yes, coming to the retro. What can people do if they want their own questions answered? Go to softskills.audio and click the Ask a Question button. Thank you so much to everyone who submits questions each week. We love, love your questions. Also, as a reminder, if you've submitted a question in the past and we gave an answer and you took our advice and disaster ensued, we would like to hear about it. You can use that same form to tell us your story. We reserve the right to totally change your story to make it sound like we were totally correct. Though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, we'd love to hear about that. We would, we would read the truth. We want people to know. Mm -hmm. Just like you said in the retro, if you admit the idea was good, if we admit that our advice was bad, it'll buy us more credibility, paradoxically. That's right. And with that, I think we're done. We'll catch you next week. 